Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. And welcome to Middle Age Warriors. Yep, it's the show that Rick and Chris do, at least we try and do every week. I'm Rick Summers. This is a show that Chris and I built geared towards middle-aged men and some of the issues that we as men go through and aptly don't like to talk about because altogether now we're men and men don't do that. So I have a very special guest this week that I think will be useful to men, women, and anybody else who are having to dial twist and stop by the Believe Podcast Network and catch middle-aged warriors. And in the spirit of true disclosure, this is a friend of mine. This is a healer of mine, my acupuncturist here in New York, and uh, somebody I've now known, are you ready for this? Almost 30 years, which is crazy. Uh, and I bring to you our special guest today on Middle Age Warriors, Amy Hausman. Hi, darling. Hi, Rick. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Now, you have a bunch of letters attached to your name on your you. business card. Tell me what they are. So uh, LAC is I am a licensed acupuncturist. I have a master's in uh, dual master's, I guess they call it, in science and traditional oriental medicine. And then also I have um, the certification of being an ordained minister from prior training that I did many years ago in an esoteric healing school. So licensed acupuncturist, master's, and um, ordained minister. You wear a lot of different hats. I wear a lot of hats, I do. Um, where did your interest in acupuncture come from? So many years ago, uh, my initial training started in a school called the I Am School of Healing Arts. And it was a, an esoteric philosophical school where we learned to do wholeness healing, uh, similar to what some people would say, oh, that's Reiki, if they were to see me doing it, because it's a laying on of hands kind of thing. Although it, it's not, there is a, there are some distinct differences um, from Reiki with intention and, and how we do the work, but um, it is all based in the same source of doing energy work, right? And I was doing that for many years, and it's a very subtle, yet at the same time, powerful approach to healing all kinds of disease in the body, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual. Um, but at some point over the years, I thought, you know, there's going to be a time where people come in for aches and pains, and they're going to want um, a less esoteric approach and really just some kind of physical manipulation or physical work. Mm -hmm. So I thought about, oh, maybe I'll study, uh, I'll go to school to be a chiropractor or a naturopath, or I wasn't really sure, or an osteopath, where I could learn some more of the physical and even the Western medicine side of things, which I really wanted to take a deeper dive into. And nothing really resonated with me. And then I discovered Chinese medicine and acupuncture. So it's not just acupuncture, but it's the herbal medicine as well. And the philosophy of Chinese medicine, which is very uh, rooted um, in Taoism, was a perfect fit for the healing modalities I was already doing. So that's how it led me to acupuncture was really through the earlier esoteric trainings. And were, were you ever a naysayer? 
in regards to acupuncture or in regards yeah. to you as a yeah, uh, no no i was never a naysayer um but i've never really been a naysayer in any type of healing uh in the sense that listen i'll try anything if it sounds <laughs> good why not you know the worst that can happen is it doesn't work so no i was definitely never a naysayer um and i basically enrolled in the program and in the study of chinese medicine without having even had a lot of experience getting acupuncture i just said all right let me try it it's funny because i went to an acupuncturist in new york in the late 90s as a last resort the idea of lying on a table was pleasant the idea of somebody putting needles in me scared the crap out of me um and i had to overcome that and then to recognize the value and i can now say 25 years later almost it is a regular part of my life and i am so glad that i do it do you see a line of distinction down the middle between male or female patients or do you absolutely find absolutely okay. um i'll say this right off the bat so acupuncture is a hard sell, right? Because lots of people will say, if, if, I was a if I was a massage therapist, lots of people say, oh, I'm gonna come in and get a massage from you, you know, if I was a this or that. But being someone who puts needles in people, uh, I often get the, the response that, oh yeah, I mean, it sounds great, but I don't know about the needles. And men are a lot harder to get in than women. And I'm curious as to what your theory on that is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Are they that's, afraid? What's that? Are they afraid? Yes. Yes. And quite frankly, one of the very, very rare things that can happen when you get acupuncture, especially if you're new to it, is that there have been cases where maybe people faint from getting the needles because they're so anxious, right? Because <laughs> they're so anxious. So traditionally and historically, um, I think more men, men are the ones who tend to faint and pass out on the table okay. <laughs> than women, right? That, because men are bigger babies. Perhaps uh, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you take. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you take that. But you know, with women, I mean, think about it. Women, um, we're built to. Uh, carry children, right? So be, you know, pregnant, pregnant, being pregnant isn't easy. We're built to uh, go through labor and childbirth. That's not easy. Um, even if it's not about childbirth, just having um, the female cycle once a month and, and aches and pains and all the different shifts and things that go with that. So women are just more accustomed to those physical discomforts than men are. Um, I think in most cases, I may be overgeneralizing here, but this is my this is my thought that women have a better tolerance for pain. And you get men on a table and you say you're going to stick these little teeny, teeny, tiny needles in them. Uh, they get very nervous. More so I've noticed than women. Yes. And yet the result mm -hmm. after you get the needle in them uh, can often be, wow, that wasn't so bad. Oh, absolutely. The minute you put one needle in. Right, because remember the needles aren't the same as a hypodermic needle. Right, you know, doctor, you know, they're not these big, long, thick, hollow things where we're either injecting you or extracting. Right, they're they're solid. They're so thin they bend like a piece of hair. And I want to ask you 
from a middle-aged male standpoint, what are some of the things you see people coming in for? And I would imagine, um, I mean, there's just a, a bevy, a whole litany of different ailments. I know what I have as far as sinuses and back pain and sciatica. And uh, there, there are guys that deal with eating disorder and and erectile dysfunction and is this all stuff that you see generally in an acupuncture practice yes yes um i've never seen a, a male patient for an eating disorder the majority of the men that come in are for aches and pain syndromes whether it's the back pain tennis elbow elbow uh, golfer's elbow, whatever it is. Um, so it's definitely the aches and pains, uh, neck pain, upper back, lower back, whether it's overuse and manual labor or it's just stress and tension. Then other things they would come in for are prostate health, sleeping and uh, ear, nose, throat disorders, for instance, the sinus and the allergies, uh, irritable bowel stuff, abdominal stuff. And that's traditionally what a lot of men come in for. Now, often uh, where women might come in for, you know, I have anxiety, men, men aren't necessarily gonna come seek treatment for that as quickly, but also men necessarily don't treat anxiety as often as women would anyway, right? And, and you can speak to that more in the sense of, you know, why, why do we do that, right? Why do men not seek treatment because we're being taught and socialized to tough it out, right? Uh, but I will say, because of the way I work, I've had uh, many men who come in for back pain, right? Mm -hmm. And I always talk, I always like to sort of, um, I consider my sessions in a way teaching sessions too, right? Teaching you about your body, about how your body responds, just, not just on a physical level, but on, a, on an emotional level too, to the environment, to the world around us. So I've often had men who come in for their back pain or their IBS kind of stuff, a lot of men with Crohn's and colitis kinds of things. And as they stick around and they start feeling a lot better, they'll say, you know, what else can you treat? What else do you got? Yeah, I, I, I'll say, what else do you got? <laughs> what well, do you got? <laughs> you know, do you treat, I don't know, my wife thinks you should treat me for insomnia. Okay, let's work on your insomnia, right? So well, let, me, let yeah. me interrupt you right there sure. because that was going to lead me to my next question uh, that you kind of touched on before, which is good sleep, sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. are, do you yeah. deal with that? Absolutely. Sleep apnea is one of the things that I first started building my practice on. Um, when I first started in private practice back in 2008, uh, there was an ENT doc, uh, he's written a book on sleep apnea, very, uh, Dr. Stephen Park, renowned guy and a very brilliant man. And he got to know me, he came to me for some acupuncture and for his knee, right? And he was like, oh, it worked. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, he, and he was kind of surprised, right? He was like, because he had never had acupuncture before. And then he sent his wife. He's like, all right, let's see if this really works. And he sent his wife to me and, and she liked it too and, and had great results. So that was like, okay, I'm going to start sending her my sleep apnea patients. So I worked a lot with his sleep apnea patients. Now, here's the thing about sleep apnea or any kind of sleep disorder, for instance, maybe not an apnea, but let's just say an insomnia. Sometimes it's anatomical, right? Mm -hmm. With sleep apnea, apnea, there's something anatomically wrong. 
but sometimes, most of the time, it's stress and anxiety, a lot of the time. Same thing with insomnia. Yes, there can be a hormonal fluctuation, there can be a sickness involved, there could be a medication that you're taking for a sickness that gives you insomnia. Um, but a lot of times, it's from some sort of stress and anxiety. So when men come in and say, yeah, can you help me with my sleep issues? I'm gonna ask the questions. Well, tell me about your life. What's going on? Are you stressed? And then the next thing you know, we're talking about things that a typical man might not be so used to talking about. So and with like, a woman. And with a woman. Well, yeah. with anybody, with anybody. Right. I think it's a great service, and especially given what we as a society have been through for the past six months, what have you seen as far as the upswing in tensions and people coming to you as a form of therapy, as well as rest and relaxation. So I will say this, and this is, this is even before the past six months. And not only have I, have I noticed this with women, but I've noticed this even more so with men. I would say in the past year or more, um, and um, prior to the pandemic, uh, the COVID pandemic, um, I had a very thriving practice in New York City, right? And uh, for over a year, I was noticing that uh, I was getting more male patients than ever before. And they were coming in with, yes, your typical aches and pains, but I did notice a difference in men also now saying, I just feel like something's off. What do you mean, I would say? It feels off emotionally. So men were actually starting to reach out in a way that I noticed they didn't used to do. Um, and women were doing that as well, reaching out more. Um, right. But I, I bring it up in the sense that what I've been noticing for over a year now was that society, the population, the demographics in general, were showing so much more stress than ever before. And this is before the pandemic. But there was already a shift happening in our world, in our society. A lot of it was political. Right. Uh, this is not me taking sides with anybody or saying anything about politics other than I've noticed this shift since our social structures were getting so much more divisive and polarized that it was affecting everybody. So women, sure, were very vocal and verbal about it, but I think for all of us in society, women and men, it became almost intolerable. And men were now starting to even to reach out and say, I don't know what's going on, but I just can't hack it anymore. And that That's would interesting. Yeah, and that, of course, would lead me to more questions. So even before the pandemic, I noticed more men saying, you know, I'd love to work on just, I don't know, I just have so much, I feel so much more stressed than ever before. That's it's how it would start. I, I feel so much more stressed than ever before. And then It's interesting to me, uh, looking at the last four months where we've all been really deeply isolated and trying to practice social isolation and distancing and whatnot, how has it been for you uh, personally? What have you learned about yourself um, so, going what we've gone yeah. through? Thank you. So, yeah. So what I was just describing was pre-pandemic. And then during the pandemic, what I found was that it accelerated all of these things that people were already feeling. It exacerbated it and made it so much, feel so much more substantial and harsh 
right? And there was even a quickening to it, and myself included, I felt those same repercussions. So as, as, uh, as I call myself a healing artist, someone who practices the healing arts, I have made it my mission in life to really pay more attention, really to observe more both the natural world, but then the human world as well, right? So where I've noticed people's uh, different uh, predilections for, for stress and anxiety in a way that it's never been presented before, I've noticed it in myself as well. So all the things I'm, I'm describing, I'm describing for myself. Um, what happened when we went on lockdown, so my clinic closed, right? Um, and I stayed in touch with all my patients. Hey, how is everyone? I'm doing remote healing sessions if anyone needs anything. Everybody was freaking out. Everybody was really freaking out. We all were. No one was excluded. This pandemic, this virus did not, you know, it, there, was, there was no um, bias regarding race, right. or any ethnicity, or your financial status, right? This virus knew no boundaries that way. So everyone was affected. Now, some people obviously more than others, but everybody was freaking out. For men in particular, right, where still looking at men as the breadwinners, as the tough guys, right? You can, and again, you can talk to that more, but now that stress to provide in a world where it's totally different now. How do we do that? How do we do that? So it's, it's just been, um, it's been really tough. And for me personally, trying to hold that space for all my patients and all the people who were reaching out to me for help, but then also to hold that space for myself to have my feelings. Uh, the voice you're hearing is that of Amy Hausman, who is a licensed acupuncturist, amongst other things, and a healer, a personal friend. And you're listening to Middle Age Warriors on the Believe podcast network. Amy, if I can be so bold, how's middle age treating you? <laughs> middle, age, middle age seems fine. I do my best to take care of myself. Um, I try to eat properly as well as trying to rest properly. I think one of the things I've noticed uh, for myself and then also for the population at large, male and female, is that as we get older, we forget that we can't just kind of throw caution to the wind the way we used yeah. to, right? It used to be, oh, I'm going to go out, maybe I'll go out and overindulge <laughs> with some partying a little bit, or even if it's just food, whatever it is. And we might be like, woof, that was intense. But when we were younger, it was like, okay, that was fun. Yeah. Now, <laughs> right? now I've noticed what happens to us is that if we overindulge a little bit, it kind of lingers for a few days. And our recovery time is not as quick. And that's the big thing I've noticed for myself in middle age and, and as well as other middle age people, both female and male. So our recovery is not the same and, and that's normal, that's what happens. But if you're someone where I could eat whatever I want and I never gained weight, now all of a sudden you are, that's why. Or yeah. I, do, I don't go to the gym or you know I hardly go to the gym and now all of a sudden you need to go to the gym in order to really feel good, right? That's why we need to keep that flow, keep that circulation of our blood and our energy going as we age. It becomes even more important. You have such a positive look at life. And I know that you, like all of us, but you in particular, 
have been through a lot of trauma. You and I have lived through breakups and, and deaths and loss of pets and loss of jobs and a lot of different changes in life, yet you still continue to espouse a very positive energy moving forward. And I guess I was going to say uh, somewhat naively and somewhat as, um, what's the word that I'm looking for, uh, rhetorically, are we doomed? <laughs> no, we're not doomed. Um, so the first thing I want to say in response to that is, yeah, you and I, Rick, together as friends have been in each other's lives for almost 30 years and both personally we've each taken on so many different things and have been there for each other. And I'm so grateful for the ways in which we've been able to be there for each other and, and have gotten through. Um, and you're pretty positive too, actually. Um, but I will say, are we doomed? No. I mean, we call things natural disasters when we have tornadoes and, and all kinds of storms and things, right? And we say, oh, this natural disaster. And we're even referring to the coronavirus as this virus that's propagating in nature, right? It's a natural disaster, some people have called it. We're actually, no, it's not a disaster for nature at all. Maybe it's a disaster for us, but in that disaster is the wake-up call for us to change our ways. And, and that's where we are. So are we doomed? I say, no, not if we don't want to be. We can use what's happening in the world as an opportunity to shift, to shift into healing, healing those old belief structures, those old ways of doing things. And I got news for you. We might think that certain things were working for us, but if we're, our, if we're all where we are right now, no, they weren't. They weren't working for us, but we're not doomed. We're not doomed. Yeah, as humans in humanity, we're going to hit some dark places. And I realized that many years ago when I went through some real intense traumas. But I also realized, and this is part of what makes me do what I do for a living. And while I find it hard and taxing, I also love it and wouldn't change it for the world because I look at it as if we're all, all humans, female, male, everything in between, whatever kind of non-binary, whatever gender you, you ascribe to, we are all sort of rummaging through the beautiful confines of the human condition together. And there's always gonna be more to discover. And I love what I do because I find it to be a privilege for someone to come to me to, and bring me what is so personal for someone who would never maybe talk about it with another person. So what a privilege that a complete stranger is coming to me with his or her or however they specify their gender, you know, with their problems to help navigate those confines, every dirty, messy, indescribable piece to bring it back into balance. I think it's beautiful. That's yes. why here. It's funny. Uh, I remember in the late 80s, and I started going to uh, working with a therapist, a psychologist. And of course, in the late 80s, everything was, I need it yesterday. And, mm -hmm. and I typified that kind of we behavior. Still we still have that. And the psychologist said to me, and this is, if I took anything with me from that all those years ago, he said, at the time I was 27. And he said, Rick, it took you 27 years to get this way. We're not going to fix this in six weeks. 
And I thought about that and I thought, well, you're absolutely right. Um, I need you to do a little housekeeping here and just promote your website, your business, because I want people to know how to find you. Thank you so much. So um, my business is called Co-Creative Healing Arts. Uh, and my website is cocreativehealingarts.com. And co-creative is hyphenated. So when you look it up, it's going to be co-creativehealingarts.com. Um, that's what I call what I do. Um, it speaks to the relationship that I have with the person and with the healing art form. So it's I want to understand. I want to understand what co-creative actually represents. Ah, got it. Okay. So co-creative, um, I first heard the term years ago when I read a book by a woman called Michelle Small Wright. She wrote a book. Uh, she started, uh, she was a co-founder of something called the Paralandra Institute, which became a big philosophical institute and I believe it's still around today, but she wrote a book called Behaving as if the God in All Life Mattered. And it was a very impactful book for me. It changed my life in a lot of ways. But in the book, she talked about uh, having a co-creative relationship with the universe and with all aspects of nature. Um, and I uh, took that in very deeply. And what I refer to as my co-creative relationship, for instance, with my patients and with what I do. Um, so co-creative meaning together we are co-creating, right? Co-creating uh, a new reality, a different reality, a shift to healing, whatever it is that we're co-creating, we're co-creating it with another. So the co-creative in my work is my relationship with the patient or the person that I'm working with. It's also my co-creative relationship with myself when I really tune in and tap into my sense of presence. But then it's also my co-creative relationship to what I call a higher power. Some people might refer to as God or the creator of all things. So really using all of these aspects of nature and of ourselves and of each other, it's a co-creative, where we're co-creating things together. Thus, I call what I do co-creative healing arts because it's not just me. It's not like I come in and I'm gonna wave my magic wand and use my skill set to fix you. You know, no, I'm in some ways more of a witness and an observer to what you are doing with yourself. And what Just remember, yeah. he said it took you 27 years to get this way. It's going to take a little while to, exactly. Exactly. to unfurl. Um, I really want to thank you for your time. Amy Hausman is who we've been speaking with on Middle Age Warriors, and she is uh, a blessing and a gift. And I hope that you will take the time to find her online and reach out to her in some way, shape, or form. Um, thank you so much. I know Chris will probably have some closing thoughts after this, but uh, in the meantime, I really want to thank you for spending a half hour with us. Thank, can I plug one more thing? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I started this, um, I started a Zoom group healing thing called the World Wholeness Healing Initiative. And it's open to the general public. You can also uh, link to it on my website where every other Sunday I do a wholeness healing remotely for anyone who wants to participate. And it starts off as a self-healing and then we expand the energy out to each other and the group and then out to the world at large. So it's a great way to heal yourself and then to also empower yourself by helping to send healing out to others 
Um, and it's a great way to get introduced to the work. So you can see that on my website as well, if that's something that anybody's interested in participating in. Thank you, darling. It's been great to talk with you. Have a good day. Thank you and, so much. Uh, and I will talk to you and see you on the table soon. You got it. Looking forward to it. Wow, I'll tell you one thing. It's nice to have Amy Hausman's in the world because we need positivity and she really is a very positive force, a positive energy out there. She really is. And uh, to be honest with you, as I had alluded to, she's been through a lot of tragedy in her life. And uh, I mean, not that we all haven't, but she continues to maintain a very upbeat approach. And I really have a great deal of respect for her and for her approach. Yeah, it seems like, and, and something that I've been learning over the last few years too, from those things that seem like very negative aspects and parts of our lives and experiences in our lives, if you can turn it around, they're actually gifts because they teach us and allow us to grow in a way that we would probably not have if we didn't experience. So yes, it's painful. It's like growing pains, I guess, a lot of those experiences. But in the end, if you, if you listen and, and pay close attention to what's going on, we really can learn and evolve and become better people from it. And I think she's a, a classic example of that. I will t share with you something funny. I was lying on the table getting acupuncture uh, recently, mm -hmm. and she brought up her ex. And I was like, that is probably, and it wasn't, it was not a clean, nice breakup. And when somebody's putting needles in you. I was going to say, where exactly were the needles when she brought exactly. up? Exactly. <laughs> I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and uh, defer, <laughs> deflect whatever I can on. But uh, change, change the subject. How about yeah, that weather? Huh? And that's something. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. She was a great guest and flew. We can have her back on again uh, and we can both uh, have a chat with her. And the way the world is going and the issues we're all dealing with on a daily basis and this you know, evolution, as well as dealing with uh, this changing world from COVID, we're going to need support from people who have like their COVID. feet, yeah. you know, a little more grounded than some of us. Uh, so I think a lot of folks are probably in the same boat. Hey, listen, you know, I love the quote from Casey Kasem, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. There you go. That's all we're doing. But, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. It's the challenge continues. The news is good here, at least in the tri-state area, not so good in the rest of the country. I hope people will be a little wiser and, uh, you know, wear your masks. Don't gather in groups of, you know, 17,000 people and, and we'll get ahead of this thing eventually. But, uh, you know, patience and use your head, I think, is the, is the best advice. Yeah. We've got some other guests lined up down the road um, and we'll get to them over the next few weeks. I look forward to that. Uh, other than that, Rick, I'm just going to say sunshine always and stay safe. Be good, feel good. Baseball season's coming back, and uh, we'll talk to you the next time we talk to you. Let's go, Mets! Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, we're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcasts.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.